Welcome to the Cockney Guide to Enlightenment podcast with me, Stephen Rosen. This is a place where we have deep conversations and find out what really makes people tick. I've been through a very deep journey in my own life from being a a nine-year-old in the early 70s selling stolen shoes down at Brick Lane to uh, a 22-year-old standing in a hotel room surrounded by drugs and bags of money uh, with uh, war in Lebanese militia. I have seen some interesting times in life and I changed all of that round and became a very successful businessman in the city of London and found that there was something missing. So this podcast is about going deeper underneath the surface of what we might think that we need in life. There's a rich uh, quality of life that we all can tap into and sometimes we have to just dig a bit deeper. So my story was lost in the Babylon. It's actually on Amazon now. I hope you enjoy this podcast. If you do, please uh, share it with your friends. Please subscribe or just follow. And you can connect with me at Cockney Profit on social media. Let us know what you think of it and enjoy this episode. Here we go. Welcome to the Cockney Guide to Enlightened podcast. With my dear friend Tana Hassan, and Tana's come along here today to tell us all about where he where he is in life and how he got there. Because we met fifteen, maybe longer, more years ago. Just when nearly eighteen years, eighteen years ago, yeah, probably when you was uh, you was managing Baker's Bar in South End, <laughs> a nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was the promotion manager there. Yeah, it was a long time. Nice to see you. It's been a while since I've seen you. And um, yeah, eighteen about eighteen years ago, I reckon we met. Yeah, yeah. And I I've was, seen yeah. seen a lot of change in uh, in you in eighteen years. You know, mm. I mean, it's great what you're doing today. Thanks, mate. With your mm. counselling, and uh, and I think we've actually done a bit of work when you was running a, a unit over in. Oh yeah, that's, where was that? Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, you came. Yeah. That was when I was working in the community drug and alcohol service then, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. And, my, uh, my, one of my guys, Ricardo, was over there right, doing a bit right, of work. That's right, yeah. That's right, yeah. I remember. Blimey. Yeah. That was in Brentwood, that one. In Brentwood, yeah. That was in Brentwood, yeah. yeah. It was a long time ago. It was. Yeah, I, well, I obviously still was running the business then. That's right. So you've known me such a long time. Um, yeah, a long, long, long time. So you've, you've pretty much seen every job I've changed, the career move where I've changed in my life, where I've been. So you've been part of that since the beginning. In fact, the first day I changed my life, you were the first person I met um, on that journey, really, and just sort of, um, yeah, it's really... I haven't really thought about that for a while. You just want me thinking about that. It's, yeah. So many people that are not around anymore, you know, either they've died or wherever they've travelled to disappeared. Um, but you're the one person that I've seen continuously throughout... I think people come in and out of that journey and, yeah. and, and then some stay and yeah. and it's beautiful when people stay and you see, you know, you get the chance to see their lives mm. change and blossom and, uh, yeah, I've seen that. I've watched you, you know, come through, come through, uh, you know, your, your, your struggles, obviously, your struggles with... You mean my moaning, that's what you're getting at. You what? My moaning. Pissing and moaning. Steve, <laughs> Steve, what about it, Steve? <laughs> well, I think I can remember you as a, as a younger version. Yeah. And, and you had a lot of energy. And yeah, uh, yeah. 
and a lot of resistance <laughs> to change, really, I suppose. Yeah. And I, I suppose that's, you know... It's a polite way of putting it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, it's it's, it's, it's the essence of, of really what what happens, isn't it? You know, when, when we, we kind of set in our ways and... I know you're. I know you're. You're kind. Of, I don't really know your family, but I know you. Your dad was. He's a very kind of industrious guy. A very hardworking guy. Mm. Is he Turkish Cypriot? Or that's right. Yeah. Yeah, he's Turkish yeah. Cypriot. Turkish yeah. Cypriot came here during the war, 1976. I think he came. Um, moved to London. I think it was in Catford then, and then um, it ended up in Southend, and then met my mum in Southend. She hated him. She didn't like him at all. So like they got him. married. <laughs> yes, yeah, so they got married. Yeah. Um, I mean, he just wore her down. Because um, my granddad used to work down the seafront. And, uh, do what, work. here in Southend? Yeah, yeah. And um, and she'd work, like, work with him. My dad was working down the seafront as well. And that's how they met, really. And uh, back in those days. And um, yeah, they ended up getting married and having us. And I remember when we, when we started out, actually, um, they my dad wanted to get a, a wimpy, so he, he got the first wimpy in uh, Westcliff, in Hamlet Court Road. And uh, I remember it really clearly. We lived up in the flat upstairs, and we all lived in. We all shared the same bedroom. All, all my, my brother, my sister, myself, my mum, my dad. It had like pink Artex on the flipping wall. Pink Artex. Yeah, the the Artex on the. You normally put it on the ceiling. On the ceiling, but as the ceiling, as I went where I slept, the ceiling sort of came down at an angle in the roof. Right. So it was part of the wall. It looked like part of the wall, really, for me. And uh, yeah, I remember those days. And they were they were fun times. We had no dining table. We had no dining room table. We had um, the three stairs that separate the kitchen, the galley kitchen, from the hallway, and it was like an electric cupboard. Um, like a, I guess yeah, you just flip up and have a look down it. So I'd sit on the top step mm. onto the electric cupboard, eat my cereal as the eldest, my brother in the middle, and my sister on the on the bottom step. And they were good days, man, in the eighties. And um, my mum and dad just just them two running that shop. My mum was a waitress there, and the queues of people trying to get out. You know, I remember it really clearly. Uh, yeah. Trying to get in, and they were grafters. My mum and dad. And I know. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of know that. I know that. Yeah. They they instilled the work ethic in us very early on, so we're not lazy. You know, me, and my brother and sister, we're not lazy. I, I worked with my dad from the age of twelve in the wimpy, in the kitchen. Um, you know, then a waiter and chef, and I did it. I did it all really um, until he fired me when I was nine. <laughs> he fired my ass when I was uh, nineteen um, because by that point I was liking the drink a little bit and didn't want to miss out after college, and so he. Uh, Said to me, right? I think you know you need to go and. He gave me the boundary, really. Like, you can't, yeah. you can't be smelling of alcohol working in that environment. But I didn't want to miss out. You know, people go come for a beer before. I was like, I can't really got work, and and then I would find that time, and and eventually, I think he had enough. Really, I was late, and it was just, I just took the piss. Really, I think in the end, I was just wanted to do it all, and I couldn't please everyone. I couldn't please it all. So, yeah. but he was a great boss. I learned a lot from them both, um, and they were like a proper team, a, a tag team. You know, they knew how to utilise each other's strengths. Um, and we knew the boundary at work, you know, and that, and that was really lovely. Did you find that, that you know, that, that kind of your dad's work ethic, did you find that difficult to live up to when you was younger? No, I think, um, 
Not really, um, because my mum and dad have always, always worked. And that's what I've always seen. And it was just learned behavior, I guess. It was just yeah. instilled. It was really exciting to be able to work there because we got paid. You know, I mean, we paid more at seven pounds a day. I said to him, this is daylight robbery, dad. Like, we need to start. And he was like, discipline, my son, discipline. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? This is what he used to yeah. say. And, um, you know, I couldn't wait for pay, you know, Saturday pay. And then he had another one in Pitsy. So in Pitsy Market, I'd go and blow my money on shit in the market. Um, you know, snide gear and CK1 and we just run yeah. out, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to work more days. And, uh, you know, as a student, um, it was, it was, it was fun. It was a sense of pride, you know, cause it was my mum and dad's business and, you know, what happened in there affects us. So, you know, we were all really very excited to get to the next level. You know, when am I going to be a waiter? When can I take someone's order at their table? Yeah. You know, when can I, um, learn how to, you know, do the cooking bit, you know? Um, the bit I hate was always having to go in a stock room because it was freezing cold in the freezer when the delivery come. So I, I don't think I was ever put off by that or... or um, but you, you, it sounds like you had that other gear going on where, you know, you just wanted to be somewhere else. You wanted to be out with your friends and... Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. When I, get, when I got a bit older. So, um, yeah, definitely when I, I would say about... It was when I was at college. So at 18. Um, yeah, around about 18, 19. That's when... Yeah. It was like less fun. It was a job, and um, I kind of wanted to. Oh, I was just pushing the boundaries. Was that was that just pushing the boundaries, or did you kind of have a sense of of needing to kind of fit in with those people? Or um, I mean, where was you at? Kind of, do you know where you was at back then? Yeah, I do. I mean, and it's a good point. And I think it was a bit of both. So there was. I didn't want to miss out. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I can't go because I've got to go to work. And then somehow the brain went, well, you can do both. It's a great idea. Let's go for a quick. And it was never a quick. And so I'd be late. And so that fear of, oh, you're late for work didn't exist because it was my dad, the association. Yeah. You know, it's my shop. It, you know, I used to take people, all my mates there, um, and they'd eat for nothing, you know, and because it was really cool to be accepted. I guess there was a bit of that, you know. There's, there was a lot. I mean, I, I can relate to that. I just, just, you know, that being wanting to be with my friends. Yeah. Uh, at probably 16, 17, I left school and I, I, I kind of drifted into crime fairly quickly, but I did go for a period where I went to work. I was working in the post office. Mm. But all my mates was over in the summer, was over Victoria Park and I was all smoking joints and, you know, it was all this stuff going on. And I just, I'd remember kind of, like I might have had an afternoon shift and I'd just think, nah, <laughs> I just wouldn't go. You know, it was just more important for me. There was a bigger drive for me to be fitting in with what they was doing and accepted with what they was doing yeah. than, than taking care of what I needed to do, really. So, And that makes sense. And that's really relatable because I definitely, definitely relate to that. Because by then, you know, I was definitely smoking weed. Everyone was smoking weed. So we'd have a joint or a drink or whatever, and I'd be just running late and I'd be unmanageable. It was completely unmanageable and trying to run like stoned and a little bit drunk to like work. And and the thought never crossed my mind to sort of come up with some line, oh, I can't get there. It's just because there is no, I just, that fear was there, man. I couldn't call in sick, you know, even though I wanted to. Yeah. And there was definitely like more of a pull to not want to go 
and to go. And I think he sussed it. You know, he's a clever man. He's been in business over 45 years. He kind of knew. And that's when he said, look, I think it's time we part company. And I said, and then what? You're firing me then, are you? He was like, well, you can choose to believe that or you can choose to see it as a boundary and go and see how other bosses treat you because I've been good to you. So go and see what it's like to work for them out there in the real world. And I was just like... So, I mean, he was he was doing you a favour in a way, wasn't yeah. he? He was giving you, you know, even teaching you some like, you know, this is this yeah. is where the boundary is. This is... 100%. And, yeah. you know, and he said, you've got to stop bringing all your mates in. He said, it's happening too often. He was like, you know, every now and again, no problem. But of course, that was part of that acceptance part, you know? And it was, yeah. And it was usually when we were a bit stoned. We'd go out and smoke it up and then late at night before midnight their clothes will come in and we'll all eat up and then and go out and really it was taking the piss I was uh, it was taking the piss and he and of course he had the cameras in there and he knew those are the days where you could speak through the camera that was freaky he used to speak through the camera I, I kid you not he'd be in the office upstairs and then you'd do something he'd go <laughs> speak through the camera and say uh, you haven't uh, rung that up in the till right and I was like what <laughs> <laughs> the fuck is that big brother i'm telling you yeah. that's what we used to call him back then we used to call him big brother then and it was like that was freaky i was like i'm so glad i don't do that no more but um that was odd but yeah so i stopped bringing mates in there and and what he said it's not that you need to stop he said you just need to give me a bit of respect give me a phone call and ask my permission don't just assume sounds like a very reasonable man your yeah father. Well, i mean he allowed it for so long and then i bit mm. the hand at fed you know and and then i was just it wasn't just the, the you know because i had a mate who um, his parents he had a uh, just he just lived with his mum and money was really tight there and and they really loved him and um, and they said he's the only one who can come in and eat whenever he wants even if you're not here you know for nothing and I just thought it was really nice and he never really used that I mean every now and again he might come but with me and I think I just you know took took the piss out of that good nature really and. Uh, used it to fit in with others as a, as like a bargaining tool, except me because you've got access to this. I remember when, when I lived in a pub in Shoreditch when I was young, way before cameras, there was no cameras around, thankfully <laughs> for, for everyone's, uh, everyone's benefit involved. But you know, the kids, like as soon as they knew I lived in the pub, you know, it gave me a bit of kudos and, and I really picked up on that mm. very quickly. And, mm. you know, I could see their interest. This is something different. And, uh, I suppose, yeah, just all of those little bits and pieces we, I, I picked up on, you know, I kind of yeah. used used the value of that and, and, and kind of even going forward through life, I don't know about you, but for me it was like I'd kind of, you know, gain a bit of kudos off, off of the back of someone else putting someone else down or something like that, you know, it was like, it was just a, a system that developed really mm. uh, from, from kind of self-centeredness or... Or not having a, a sense of self, even you know, yeah. and just trying to develop that and trying to compensate and build that. I mean, I don't know if that kind of resonates with you. I mean, I know I, I never felt accepted, and you know, being being mixed race was very difficult growing up. You know, in South End, it was, and um, you know, I'm not getting the violin out and feel sorry for me. I'm not, you know, I have great memories, but. I do acknowledge that it was tough. You know, my daughter goes to school now. I love the fact that there's so many different cultures. It's all mixed and they celebrate and, and you know, there's different flags, different countries. There was none of that really when I was at school. And um, people would always point out the differences. And there was no one from that, like me in that community. So it was really, really tough. Um, 
I, I, the community I probably uh, connected more to down here was the Jewish community, funny enough. Uh, so I had a lot of Jewish mates and um, because their culture was very similar, you know, the family s just the way, just the way, just, you know, Greeks, Turks, Greek, uh, and Jewish, very similar, you know. And Arab, tight very families, similar. yeah. Very, very similar um, uh, sort of background, but I never really felt um, part of really and um, being at school was hard and I guess I was always wanting to be accepted and um, kids can be really cruel and they say really hurtful things. But I was really mouthy at school. I was a pain in the ass. I was difficult. You know, I'd give, I'd mouth off. I couldn't back it up, but I'd give, I'd give as, you know, so then they would use other slurs to sort of try and bring you down. And I never really enjoyed watching someone else bring somebody else down. Um, I would, I'd feel more compassion. It's really weird. I'd almost think, I just, I just didn't, I just never liked it. Um, I think the only time I would like it is if it would take the attention off of me. As you get bigger, you've got some of the bully kids. You know, I was never rolling with that lot when I was a lot younger um, in senior school. And I'd even try. I remember going to my new senior school thinking, I've got to be a different me. And I don't think that's the right way to think, right? I used to think, I'm going to be a different me. It's quite an unusual way to think, isn't it? It but is. It um, shows some sort of uh, recognition that... Yeah, that there's something wrong with me. Yeah. And that I am... <clears throat> and of course, there was nothing wrong with me. <clears throat> Excuse me. And... Um, I went there and I had this, <laughs> had this moment, and uh, I was in the in the sports gym at my new school. It was I'd left. Uh, I mean, my parents put me for private school. Right? They wanted what they never had. My mum came from a very uh, poor background, uh, one of seven children, um, Irish Catholics, and um, you know used to walk with open toe shoes in the snow. You know, and they they, were, they didn't have a lot of, of money. And so when my parents worked really hard, they wanted to give us what they never had. And my junior school was a private school and I, you know, really enjoyed it. I was kind of top dog there and just my personality, I was just jumping around the place. Um, I was a pain in the ass though, always losing my glasses, always like, trying to fall to find my dad's um, signature on the reports. Um, like, <laughs> I used to do that. All the time, right? And yeah, the fear for I my dad. I used to write my own sick notes. <laughs> yeah, that's it, we are. <laughs> if you ever fake my signature, son, yeah. I will break your hands. I was like, yeah, no worries, dad understood. And I'm faking his signature and... And uh, all this kind of stuff, you know. He was, was probably worried about the checks it was going to go on later <laughs> yeah, in life. <laughs> and, um, you know, so they did the best they could. And um, I guess I was just misunderstood. But then when I went to senior school, I went to Fort Paul. We had a purple bloody uniform and I hated it there. And I, I felt quite bullied terribly there. Verbal bullying, not physical, verbal, uh, psychological. It really got in my mind. And uh, I remember I lashed out one day. I had enough. And these guys, they were terrorizing me, really. I was allowing them in my head. And, and I'm not a violent person, but this day I lost it. And I just gave this geezer the biggest punch. And it, it made such a sound that the science teacher turned around and blamed me and kicked me out. And I got suspended. And um, they had the cane at that school, right? And um, I remember sitting in there mouthing off at the uh, headmaster. And he was like, I said, you can, you can, you, you know, those canes there, if you think you're going to cane me, well, we'll see what my dad has to say about that. And he went, what do you mean? I was like, if you hit me with that, he will smash your face in. This is what I said to him, right? <laughs> this is me braving it this up. This is in a private master. school, yeah? Yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is terrible. So I'm sitting there, and then I'm realising what I've said to the headmaster. I'm thinking, shit, my dad's going to kill me for saying that. Like, I'm in, I'm in it. I'm in for trouble. And this is what happened. This is my head at 12. So the deputy head said, can you take this down to um, the geography department? I was like, okay. So I was just sitting there. I was like, all right. Went out. 
I took it to the geography department, this item, and the front gate was open. I darted out the gate and I ran away. Truth be told, lots of things was going on. I was trying to regulate my emotion and try to understand what was happening. At the same time, I, um, I swore and some kid had grasped me up to the teacher, so it was a double whammy. And he, he, he said I'd, I called him a C next Tuesday, which wasn't true, um, but they just added it, added value. So I was doubly in trouble. And the fear, Steve, of what, of what my parents were going to say, I thought, well, if I run away, they'll be so concerned that I run away that they'll forget about the reason. That was my conscious, yeah. mad as that. So I did that, I ran away, and um, I was gone for hours. And my mum's account of that story is horrendous. No one at the school knew for ages. And she lost the plot there. And, and it just drove them mad like with worry. And the, the police picked me up in the end. They were looking for another kid. And they see me. I was trying to hide my badge. And they brought me home. And my mum and dad were so concerned that I disappeared. They embraced me, gave me a big hug. And I thought I got away with that. Did they come back for you after? No. Okay. Oh, it's interesting, them. isn't it? It's interesting that... I mean, you, well, you said you was trying to regulate your your feelings and your regulate yeah. your. So, was you conscious of, of doing that at, at that age? Was you conscious of like, you know, I shouldn't be doing feeling like this? Or I, I think I was. Um, I kept asking that question: What's wrong with me? That's that's that is a phrase that carried me through most of my life. Yeah. What's wrong with me? Because I I couldn't understand why me. Why am I? Why am I being picked on all the time? Why? Why? Like, what is it about me? And you know, I was very short. I was four foot nine. I had massive, big. I mean, the glasses I got on now are in fashion now, right? But back then, big glasses. I don't know what it was, but I was little. But I think I also wanted to be like some of those kids, and um, I, I just felt less than. I think, and I think maybe they smelt it. I don't know, but they they. But I would, I would mouth off. I'm not going to lie and say it's one-sided. I mouthed off. I was a mouthy shit. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we find we find a way to <clears throat> compensate for yeah. stuff that we don't have. And I, I think there's probably a little man syndrome in there. I think yeah. I, I, I probably hated the fact that I, I did hate the fact that I was short. You know, I'm five it's interesting now. that you uh, you took that route of, of a calculated route of, of playing on your parents' emotions yeah. to to make the swerve and, and get out of the trouble. Yeah. I mean that's uh, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? That you was you was intelligent enough to know that Survival, you can man. yeah you can manipulate them uh, yeah it's, emotionally. It's yeah. Thought about jumping out of uh, the house out the window um, when I was in trouble once because um, I'll break my legs and if I break my legs, I'll be so worried about my legs being broken that the initial pain will of, of the punishment will go away. It was the punishment that was the payoff that I didn't want to get was the yeah. punishment. Um, I'm not saying I was to be beaten as a kid, but you know, my dad, you know, there's a bit of discipline, you know, appropriate discipline. Um, but you know, nowadays you can't really say that that's appropriate discipline. I'm not saying whether I agree or disagree with it. Um, but you know, well, it was, it was how it was at the time, I suppose. Was, yeah. And yeah, that's how it was. And, and I didn't want that. And I didn't, um, want the punishment and the privileges to be taken away, but I was a nightmare. I lied so much. Like, do you know in the end they put pajamas on uh, this sticker on my pajamas? This paper. Uh, do not talk to me. I'm a liar. What in indoors or in the? In, in indoors, of course. Indoors. indoors. Um, because, I mean, context. 
was always writing lines. When most kids are out there playing football, I was in my bedroom writing lines. I must not lie. I must not lie. I must not lie. I must not swear at my brother. I must not hit my brother. I must not lie. I must well, not that's lie. That's quite disciplinarian. <laughs> if that's yeah. such a word, I, mean, I don't... Yeah. Well, we'll go with that word. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it makes sense to me anyway, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, it, you it think sounds. I'd learn, though, Steve. It sounds. Sorry. You think I'd learn? You know, the the fire's hot. Hang out. Oh, still hot. Fire's hot. Still hot. Still you know, doing lines. Taz. I mean, I've written that book. I think, and uh, I did write in that book actually. Uh, a, a part of thing, and it, it was. I was talking about that. The putting my hand in the fire, and I never even thought to ask myself why doesn't this hurt? Mm-hmm. You know, not let alone not why haven't I taken it away? But mm. why why doesn't this hurt? Because it should hurt. And, and there was a kind of something there, yeah, for me that that was underlying everything really, all all of my yeah. my, my development. And I suppose I'm listening to you, and I'm kind of trying to get a get a sense of of, of where you was at underneath all of that, because you know, in my in my understanding of things is as we develop, you know, we we grow as people, and, and obviously you, you'll know from your work that. That there's a lot built of a lot of belief systems are built on on uh, information mm. that that or, or experiences or traumas. I mean that sounds you know walking around with that that label on you, it's, it could be you know perceived as, as as a traumatic thing. Or you might not have seen it at the time. You yeah, might no, have you won't. thought uh, of it as like I'm a naughty kid, but well, because it was a punishment um, that. Um, I spoke to my mum and dad about my mum about it, and she said I had no idea what to do with you. She said you just weren't listening. Like we'd take away the TV, we would ban you from this. It didn't work. Writing lines, it didn't work. In the end, she goes, "I was so frustrated that she put this." I mean, it is shaming, but you know, I don't blame her for that. They just didn't know what to do. There's no rule book, so I had this pajamas on, this thing. Do not talk to me. I'm a liar. It was really to really hit home that even your own brother and sister are not allowed to talk to you because you keep telling so much lies, so many lies, um, and they were just desperate. And um, it was very hard work being me. And um, I think also because I was kind of top dog at junior school. You know, I was like one of the most popular kids at junior school. Um, Well, if not, one of the popular kids. At, well, I was I was a popular kid at, at junior yeah. school, and so of course there's that f- full sense of security you've developed, and then you go to senior school and realise you're quite low on the pecking order. <laughs> it's fucking a wake up call. <laughs> was was that? I mean, because as I as I grew up and and you know I don't I, I mean I don't know I'm just talking about my stuff there. Whether you relate, I don't know. But as I grew up, I had no sense that any of this gear was going on. You've said you've kind of said at a couple of points you you had a consciousness about what you was doing or, or how you was behaving. I, I kind of developed all of this stuff and I was quite popular. I fitted in and, you know, I had no sense of the stuff that I lacked. You know what I mean? I'd kind of compensated so well and built built my own character, built the person that I thought I needed to be. Yeah. And and certainly I know you and you've always had a real strong personality and I can imagine at school you'd be, you know, if you wasn't getting bullied, you'd be kind of a really popular guy and... And uh, I wonder, is do you have you got any sense of that? Was that naturally developed for you, or did you kind of put things in place to uh, even unconsciously to help that 
help help yourself along now? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I think, I don't think it was as calculated. I think a lot of it is to do with the brain. The brain wants to survive. So it's going to do whatever it needs to do to survive. See, our brain is designed to keep you alive. That's it. Happiness has to be built. So I think I was in such a fight or flight and stressful situation and the punishment and all that stuff that the brain concocted ideas to, to survive and said, well, mm. if we do that, I don't think it was, I'm going to play on their emotions and this is what I will do. I don't think it was that, that cognitive. No, I'm not saying it was sinister. No, no, I, no, don't, yeah, I yeah. don't believe it was. But I, I did also know it was when I didn't get punished. I was like, oh, yeah, they didn't really, they were so concerned more about, yeah, okay. But I did also act, act impulsively. I was quite impulsive. Yeah. Um, and I, that, you know, that is why I ran away without the conscious thought because of the parents. That wasn't the conscious thought. It was, I need to get out of here. And I ran away. It was the aftermath. I was thinking, well, actually, if they see me, when they saw me, and it, and it kind of played. And I guess I learned how to manipulate in that way um, over time. But definitely there was coping mechanisms to try and survive and to make it through. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't trying to be a funny person at school. I just had that energy. I just couldn't help it. I like being a bit of a clown. But it's because I had so much energy. I was just always... That's why Robin Williams, God bless his soul. I love Robin Williams. He's one of my favourites. Because I so resonate with everything that he's about. That, that I mean, he's he is him. But that was me. Like, I relate to him so much. The way that he can have his battles and, and hide it from the world and suffer in silence but always make someone feel comfortable with themselves or always make somebody laugh, always willing to go out there, but also quite off the wall when he does his little bits, you know, his little sketches like, with random conversations. That was me. Yeah. It still yeah. is me. You know, I still do that. You know, a bit of banter and like, you know, we just met your, uh, your grandson. Right. We're just, uh, I could do that all day long. Yeah. That's not yeah. forced. That's just, I'm vibing off his energy yeah, and we're yeah. just vibing. And I forget you was even No, there. it was very natural. Very natural. I just yeah. enjoy it. It's yeah. just, that's how I am, yeah. I, you know, and I guess I tried to quieten who I really am for a long time because people would point out that that was wrong. And I think that's probably why I did get bullied a lot because I was a bit different and we reject what we don't understand. And kids, you're just trying to survive. Mm. And uh, I think they just, you know, I wasn't the jock. I wasn't the typical little white kid with the hair on the side and wants to play football on a Saturday. It just wasn't me. You know, I like music class and dancing and drama and, yeah. you know, and they didn't like doing that. So I guess, you know, that was, I was a recipe of disaster. Really. <laughs> well, you are, you, you unique really. And, yeah. and you know, thankfully you're unique because uh, yeah, we all yeah. are, but it's, yeah. uh, so, so, you know, obviously childhood was, was okay. You know, it was normal for, for, for kind of. Being, you know, in your family, in, in, in that sort of heritage of past and, uh, yeah, just ideas and, and, and working hard and, and quite close. But also, you know, what what do we do with Taz and uh, when it, when is this guy's running around like a, a lunatic and uh, yeah, just, uh, yeah, taking the piss really. So Taking the piss and then... Um then, then we had a situation when I was eight and um, my parents were working uh, down in the, in the Wimpy on a Saturday and I used to have a babysitter. And unfortunately, you know, she sexually abused me as a, as a child. You know, and that was still to this day, 
I thought, what the fuck were you thinking? But then she was a child herself, really. She was um, about 14, I think. Um, and she was a Jehovah's Witness. She came from a religious background. Um, yeah, and it was... Um, that was a messed up time because, you know, I've worked a lot through this with therapy and I have to stay on it, obviously, myself. But I do remember the feeling of enjoying it. And I thought, is that... I used to think that's so fucked up to say that. And actually what I work through with, with a therapist and uh, is that, well, that's a physical sensation. Mm. You can enjoy a physical sensation, but the emotions haven't kicked in. The, the spiritual, you know, all that stuff that makes you an adult wasn't there yet. Um, you know, and if she didn't turn up, I'd feel like rejected or abandoned. And, and that's that really interesting, of, isn't it? Yeah, and and it was a female. So when I used to hear a lot of men talk about being abused by other men, I almost felt very different and felt like I couldn't speak it because mine was a female. And 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 I guess I almost carried it a bit like a not a badge, but as I got a bit older, it definitely contributed to why I was um, interested in girls from a young age. I mean, my first girlfriend at twelve. I mean, I was sexually active by like 14, 13. Mm. Um, I was always chasing girls, always trying to entertain girls, always sitting at the back of the class. And, you know, and I definitely think I had a big part to play. But um, do you, you think know, it warped your sense of, of development? In Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um, it definitely warped. Yeah, I agree. That's that, that statement, 100%. And that was... Um, very tough uh, to, to work through that gear to realise, oh, that's where that's all come from. You know, because it's wrong. It was fundamentally wrong. And, um, yeah, man, it was it was fundamentally wrong. But So did, did this come to light at all? Or it was just, you yeah. just carried it with you? Carried it with me. Um, my mum discovered it um, one day and she interrupted and um, she went absolutely ballistic and kicked her out and whatnot. And it was never spoken about ever again. I've tried to speak to mum about it a couple of times during adult life. And she you could just see she's so uncomfortable. Because, of course, she I can see it in her face. She thinks, I fucking failed as a mother. Yeah. How the fuck did I allow that to happen? We did everything so right or the best that yeah. we could. My child, you know, and you should want to kill her, really. Um and um did she ever tell your dad do you think or yeah he knows he knows they've never talked about it and i think i brought it up again uh a couple uh last year actually i mentioned it a year ago well we was talking about something relevant and it come up and you know what's going out in the world and the news and people coming forward and that's how it came about really and um it was the first time my mum and dad sat there and she said do you know what i'm really sorry i'm really fucking sorry that we didn't see that that we didn't no I said you ain't got nothing to apologise for it wasn't your fault you was mm. working you had a babysitter you was trusting that she would do the, the job and you didn't know and she said, I just felt absolutely horrible we never discussed details but that was a nice moment I think as an adult to have with my mum because for her not to talk about it I felt I did feel a little bit abandoned actually anyway but it almost devalued what had happened to me because yeah. the sense of what was happening in her process was so overwhelming that she couldn't shelve that just to hear me out. That's not her fault. That's just her process. So it was really nice to have that kind of conversation. We didn't go too deep, but it sounds, was, sounds quite healing just to even, definitely. And, uh, you know, just definitely. to acknowledge it and hundred percent take ownership. hundred yeah. percent. Um, you know, and, uh, it was really quite, um, 
Yeah, it was a nice little moment. We don't, you know, none of us are free of issues, right, Steve? Everyone's been through stuff. For sure, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I had, I had a, a, something when I was thirteen. You know, just trying to fit in with a pedophile, really. Yeah. Yeah. Groomed. Yeah. Kind of groomed us. Yeah. Or there was several of us uh, that kind of was in the punk rock scene. I was running around the West End at fucking thirteen years old, man, mm. and. Uh, you know, in, in the marquee and nightclubs and that. 13 years old, you know, I had no business being there really. Mm. And uh, yeah, and this this guy, you know, I was tough as I was tough as nails, but this guy found my vulnerability, you know. And uh, and I wanted to get in, once again, fitting in, you know. I wanted to get in to see this this show and all my friends were in there and I could see them and he kind of crept up, you know, behind me and kind of whispered in my ear, so to speak. And, and, and yeah, kind of, you know, I was just weighing up, you know. Yeah, just kind of wanking him off, really. You know, just an act of uh, of masturbation on him, which was uh, to me, you know, I felt nothing. All I was worried about, really, at the time, was fucking. I don't make sure no one knows about this. Mm. You know, it didn't matter that I knew about it, mm. Mm. but it was, uh, yeah, really kind of. You know, I've, I have written about it in my, in my memoir, but it's the first time I ever spoke about it publicly. Mm. So. But it was just, you know, it's it's important to get this stuff out there because we, you know, we we kind of people who've experienced this. I know lots and lots of people experience. Well, you know, you know, as we come through through the rooms, we, we I hear so much stuff. But yeah. yeah, when I look back on that kid, and I just think, wow, man, you know, even at that age, I just didn't care about me. You know, yeah. I had no sense of me. It was all about how I looked and how I was perceived mm. and, and really it was all about fitting in mm. and, and and that person you know that pedophile just found that weakness in you know he just found that little chink in the armour a 13 year old kid tough kid you know out and about I was trying to sell some fly pitch some uh, programmes to get into the, get a bit of money to get into mm. this place and you know he was there probably just there watching and just thought oh, I'll try you know just try me luck here and but yeah, these things happened and... Uh, it wasn't right, was it? No, of course it wasn't right. Of course yeah, it wasn't I mean, right. To even think like that, <clears throat> at 13 years old. Yeah. To hope no one finds out. Not, what the fuck is this man, you know. And it's like they know. It's like they knew that's the person. That's the person. Yeah, who, I'm sure. Know, yeah, they, yeah I, more I'm sure. And, uh, I mean, with, her, with, with, with my one, she was a kid herself. That doesn't make it right, but she was a kid herself. So I, so as an adult, I think she was about 13, 14. Yeah. What was going on in her house? And, and, that's, and that's, that's, that's kind of like, where does this stuff come from? Where does that behaviour come from? Because it how comes from it somewhere, bit, yeah. Because I was able to look at my part, which I don't play a fucking part in. Well, you're eight fact, years old, present. you haven't got a part yeah. in it, have you? You've just got like, you know. Absolutely. You've been influenced yeah. and manipulated. Yeah. But then thinking... What was she? I didn't think at the time, but as an adult, I think, well, what the hell was she going through? If she thinks that that's okay, what did she experience in her house? Yeah. And um, and it kind of is forgiveness the right word? Maybe it is. I don't know. We'll go with that. But I guess it was. Um, yeah, I guess it's a forgiveness. I mean, I never really connected with it and carried it as a pain, if I'm honest. Yeah. Because the excitement payoff was there. I felt more guilt that I should have been feeling that and that maybe I'm weird. I really resonate with that because I never, I never, uh, yeah, I never just, I I just kind of buried that, like I buried everything else really and just moved on. And uh, 
and and it wasn't till in 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 later life you know until mm. i started like looking at myself and 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 for me in later life you know there was something missing and that's that's kind of why i wrote that book because i i'd become for all of all of my chaos and and then you know become very successful without a family and mm. all that and and still there was stuff missing for me but it wasn't till I, I kind of went on that journey and then I looked back at that stuff and thought, wow, man, you yeah. know. And, wow. I, and I really relate to that. I always felt that something was missing. I always felt there was something missing everywhere. Throughout different periods of my life, I always felt there was something missing. There was a piece of the puzzle missing. So I was searching for something. Um, all my life, really. I don't feel that way so much anymore, but... Do you think you found it or have you just worked towards finding it? Um, I think what I've worked on is self-acceptance. Yeah. Self-improvement. I mean, you know, self-acceptance transcends self-improvement every time. If you cannot accept yourself, all these accolades and all these bits and pieces mean nothing. I mean, I've I've said it before. I've worked with so many people who are success on paper, but they don't accept themselves. They don't feel it. I don't think they deserve it. Yeah, so I think I've got to a place where I accept who I am. I accept what I am. And I, I, I don't have limited beliefs anymore. I have limitless beliefs. I can have an acceptance of myself, but it doesn't stop me from creating and building. It doesn't stop me from sitting still and thinking that's not, I shouldn't be sitting still. I've got choices. You know, I can do anything I want to do if I put my mind to it. There is no one saying, you can't. Yeah, anyone says that, fuck you. I don't listen to that anymore. Who says I can't? In that, in that self-acceptance, is there self-love with that for you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I hated what I saw. I used to call myself a, you know, all the name under the sun looking in the mirror. You piece of shit. You're a piece of shit. You know? Um, I used to be called stupid a lot when I was a kid. Well, you tell a kid that enough, you're going to believe that. Um, so I always believed I was stupid. You know, the language, uh, uh, your upbringing, that you're, you're around... Mm. it's very different today. I mean, some people will still speak in that way. I don't speak that way in front of my daughter. You know, she doesn't ever see or hear or anything that kind of, you know, you can make changes. You know, my wife had her own upbringing, her experiences, and we tried to take the good stuff that we learned from our childhoods, from our parenting, and dis- and sort of put aside the rest that wasn't useful. I have to push it in their faces and say, well, you did this, and we don't want to do that in my house. I don't need to shame them. No, no. no there's yeah. no rule book. Um, and I'm sure if somebody looks into our house the way we raise our, our daughter, they all might say, well, I don't think that's right. You know, fair enough. Um, so I'm not here to judge, but I just tried to change the script, you know, and the self-love is really important. And there was no self-love because I guess I was so fixated on what you all thought of me and that because of that fact, you was I was looking for validation from others. I think um, what you said mattered. And if I felt vulnerable and you aired that vulnerability that would resonate i think yeah see i am i am that that way um and it took a long time um to to get to that place um and that's obviously where i met you and and you just watched me change in in that journey but you know it was a lot of rejection i i i uh, went through in my life like all human beings will go for rejection but it's how you interpret it and i used to interpret it as i'm to be rejected you know i'm mm. flawed it's because i'm shit i'm rubbish i'm this Whereas some other people, you've heard it before, like entrepreneurs, they're like, you know, everyone shut their doors and they said no, and that was the day I wrote on a fag packet, this is what I'm going to fucking do, and I went and did it, and now I'm smashing it. You know, I didn't have that mindset. I think I think it's uh, as an observation of my stuff and, and what I see of people, I mean, 
you know, when we've got this stuff, certainly I didn't, I didn't know about that, uh, that uh, abuse, sexual abuse at a young age for you. But it's, it's certainly, you know, we put all our energy outside, don't we? Yeah. You know, we put our energy outside and, and, and compensate and create, you know, as, as I've said earlier, I, you know, created the person I thought I needed to be. And, and, you know, there was no self care in that. And, and this process of, of self love that we we're talking about and, and self-acceptance and you know it's 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 hard to get to it but it's it means that we have to start going and really owning what's inside mm. and, and owning our shadows mm. and, and and owning you know seeing the light and mm. and it's uh it's a really interesting process and i've seen you you know i've seen you go through lots of stuff i mean i'm not gonna you know bring out your stuff but you know just <laughs> No, I've just seen you kind of, you know, come in, come in into, be honest, a, be good into a place where, and I, I always, always, you know, had a lot of time for you yeah. because I could always see the potential in you. Mm. But I saw, you know, what you was doing with your life. You had a lot of energy. You was, you was in the music business, wasn't you? You know, yeah. you've, we haven't even touched on any of that yeah, stuff. Yeah. But, you know, I remember you was in the music business. I saw you at South End. You was on stage, mm -hmm. and then you was doing touring. Lights, yeah. You was doing uh, some touring as well. Uh -huh. uh, was that the 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 Frank stuff? Was it? No, that was too smart. That was too for, smart. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, too smart stuff. I remember I bought you a little Deepak Chopra book. I still, actually, I still have it. Seven I Spiritual Laws I of Success. Because I still have it. I still have uh, it on my shelf. You was you was touring around and uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That you you popped out at the right moment. And then you went and got that and gave me that. And I've, I still have it to this day on my shelf. And um, yeah, I did all loads of... I mean, I love performing. That was the thing. So despite what, what happened, I felt like I could be somebody else. I think that's also another thing. I could... Um, I had so much energy, I could just burst. Yeah. And my outlet was not football. I used to love football. I was really good at it. But then I developed asthma. And I, I resented football because I couldn't play it anymore. But my outlet was drama, dancing, singing, acting. I loved all that. Playing the piano and you know, whatever instrument I wanted. And then, you know, it was the drums and the self-taught drummer. And, you know, I just loved entertainment, loved performing. Um, and uh, and I did all that. And lots of different groups that I joined and extracurricular activities. And that was a really great outlet. Because, of course, most of the people there were just as nuts as me. They had all that energy. And they were really like, you know, it was great. I met some wonderful people. And um, I love that time. I've got great memories about that time. Mm. You know, not a single bad memory about that time. And that was from the age of uh, 13. So I moved to that new school. So you see how ADHD I am, because I've got ADHD, right? So I was telling you an original story about when I went to the gym at the new school and we've gone completely somewhere else. Yeah, well, that's, that's, I love the, that. that's the Cockney Guide to I, Enlightenment, I love mate. That. Yeah. And then it's just come back full circle. Now it's come yeah. to me. So we're bringing it back in. There's, there was a method behind my madness. Um, <clears throat> and then, um, you know, I had a really, really great time uh, with that because when I got to, back to that new school, they asked me, um, you know, which school did you come to, from? I went, oh, I went to Fort Paul. And they were like, all oh, right, this is at Dean's now. He goes, um, oh, do you know, uh, do you know such and such? And they said it in such a way like they didn't like him. So, of course, epic fail. I've gone, yeah, yeah, I know him, yeah, yeah. What do you think of him? Yeah, he's a bit of a dick, you know, fuck him, like all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's nice. He's one of my mates. You know, we play rugby together. I was like, fuck, fucked it, fucked it, <laughs> straight away. Literally first day. Yeah. And just fucked it. And I was just like, right, they've written me off straight away. And I kind of gravitated towards a... a 
a couple of people and actually I, I, what I learned is I couldn't so they set you up basically set me up yeah basically yeah. And, and I failed and, and uh, you know and uh, I stuck with one guy um, all the time and and if he weren't at school I just found myself on my own a lot it was horrible really mm. um, but when I when they were doing these uh, auditions I found myself uh, auditioning it was after school but they did, I'd obviously advertise it at school and I I opened up a whole new world, Steve. A whole new world to a lot of different people. And they become one of my best mates, you know. Um, Michael, Matt, Ross, um, you know, uh, so many. You know, Sarah, Tanya, um, Kate, just all of them. We had such a great time. And um, they were from all different places around. Rayleigh, you know, Southend, Lee, Shuri, wherever we were from. And we did shows, you know, Bugsy Malone. Um, mm. We did Guys and Dolls. I played Big Julie in Guys and Dolls. I was only four foot nine. And, you know, it was great fun. And uh, I played Tim Mann in The Wizard of Oz. And uh, I played the voice of the plant and uh, the dentist in um, Little Shop of Horrors. And this stuff, I loved it. And I did all that until I was 19. Because I just loved performing and doing it. Do you, do you miss that? Um, yeah, I do. I do. I do. I do miss doing it because it was um, it was great. And then I tried to really pursue it seriously. I went to college and started drama and performing arts. And um, uh, but I always had music, and I was always a bit lost of which route to go down. In hindsight, I probably should have gone to university acting and used singing as an, an addition. But I went down the musical theatre route, and um, and I, they, they like you to be a little bit older on your audition day at that time. And I just turned 18. So I got a call back, but didn't get in. And they suggested that I um, do some extra classes um, and work on some bits and pieces or whatnot and come back the following year. But I was always, I used to get the stage newspaper. It was called The Stage. Mm. And uh, at the back of it, there were all these auditions. And I was like all auditioning from the age of 16 for all different like pop bands and boy bands and that kind of stuff. That's what it was then. And and I'd get really close a lot of times. And, um, you know... Uh, and then I think I was working in the Wimpy one Sunday night and my mum rang me and said, I've just seen on the news on Saturday night, I was just on the news, there's an audition. Was it X Factor, was it? or something? It like was that? an X Factor. It was uh, called Pop Stars then. It was the very right. first one. And um, they said, uh, she said, oh, look, we've got the last day of auditions tomorrow. Maybe you should go. And I was like, I don't know. She was like, maybe you should. So I had a look at it and I thought, fuck it, I'll go. And I went. And you know what? Every single stage, I kept getting past the stage, stage by stage by stage. And I was like, wow, okay, maybe this is, uh, this is happening. And um, I'd never been in front of the camera before. So I'd be, you'd, you'd audition and then you'd be side interviewed uh, and they'd ask you some questions. And at the end of it, I would acknowledge the camera like this and I'd come up to it and be stupid and that kind of stuff. And I remember this one lady as I was getting further and further, she was a camera lady uh, uh, interview and she said you do you're coming across really well but you ruin it at the end when you <laughs> I still carried it with me today I've had to go too far <laughs> yeah yeah can't help it I don't know where to stop I don't know where to stop but <laughs> <laughs> to do something ridiculous and yeah. boom, like peace yeah. or something ridiculous and just whatever yeah. she was you're ruining it she was like it's a shame because you you know you, you come across really well yeah. you're just being yourself try that and I hated her for saying it but I really listened to her because I was like a sponge you see I wasn't arrogant enough to not learn and listen and I took that on and that was with me all the time 
But then, of course, what it was doing is it was stopping me being my real self a little bit. I was going to say, did you find that hard to contain? Yeah. Because then I went the other way and I was mm. being like, you know, and they were going, can we, can we do it again? And But this time a bit more. So I thought, fucking hell. So I went and spoke to this woman. I said, you fucked me up. You've told me I can't do this. I don't have to do myself. Yeah. You've ruined me. And she was like, no, 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 no. You can do all that. But not every fucking time. I was like, yeah. oh. So even then, I didn't understand. Rolling. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so even then, it's all or nothing. If that's yeah. not revealing my character, it's all or nothing. There's no balance. Um, but anyway, so that, that that got further and further, and then came the quarterfinals, and then came the semifinals, and then came the finals. So uh, the, from there, um, Hearsay and Liberty X were formed. These were a pop band that were formed then. So I got to like the last thirteen, and that was you know televised and I think at one point it was about six million were watching it on TV yeah. and it was a crazy time I was 19 years old they didn't prepare you for that sort of stuff and um, yeah I mean look, everyone knowing your name was I, mean, I was known as Taz then you know because I was so I was so ashamed yeah, of my I, name. I still get stuck with it sometimes I know, I know but do you know why I called myself yeah. Taz because I could not bear the embarrassment being out at a club and they go what's your name and they go, ooh, ooh. And I just go straight into this oh, uncomfortable place. Dave. Dave is my name. All right, Dave. They get Dave. So I just changed it to Taz. I was like, short, brown, crazy. Mm. That works. We'll go with that. Taz. That's my nickname. And it became my name. And, and, and of course, over time, people knew me as Taz because I didn't want to connect with my real name. And I was almost embarrassed by my name, which is sad to say. Um, and then... I've changed and I love my name. You've reclaimed yourself. It's like part of yourself. Yeah, my name is Tanner. That's my name. Yeah. Like, that's my name. Like, and so, you know. And I, I suppose that's that part of that self acceptance yeah, as yeah. well, isn't it? And, 100%. And finding the beauty in, 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 in what we are. Yeah. You know, after years and years of denying Absolutely. what we are, sometimes, you know, we can look and change the lens a bit, get rid of some of the conditioning that yeah. has made us feel that we was unworthy or whatever. And, yeah. and I guess it was also not being myself, you know. Again, I was being another person, you know. I was, yeah. I was somebody else, and 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 uh, I really enjoyed that process. But the rejection was hard. And um, when it came to an end, I mean, there was one story. What they done it was quite cruel. Really, when you think about it, we was in, in the finals, and um, they said uh, we was having to do this team building exercise, and we were doing uh, as a little in fives and sixes the puzzles or the bricks and whatever the challenges they gave us. And then randomly, a couple of these guys will come up and they go, "We need to, you need to come with us. Can't shh, don't make a fuss. But you know, come with us." I was like, "All right." So, and you're looking around at each other and thinking, looking at the five of us. And I was like, "Yeah, he's good. She's good. He's good. Okay, this is weird. Why? Where are we going? We're going to this side room. Right. I've had to pull you away. The great news is you're in the band. You've made it." Right. they haven't made it you have made it and we were like what the fuck <laughs> jumping up and down like fucking hell it's happening it's happening well they're, they're just having you on well this is what happened so she said <laughs> um, you're about to go into a press conference I was like when like, right now right this very second and they opened this door and out we came fucking paparazzi press conference table bottles of water microphones the full get up I've sat down we're all like we're all like excited the adrenaline rushing just want to like you know celebrate and um we get loads of questions being asked and what that we ask all the questions and uh, someone went and cut <laughs> what the fuck has <laughs> happened and they've gone right you're not really in the band uh this was a test to see how you would cope under pressure 
John, you did really well. Uh, Dave, you said that you would openly take cocaine. That would be on the front of the paper tomorrow. <laughs> so you'd be fucked there. You said you'd get rid of your girlfriend, so they're going to hate you straight away. I was like, wow, they're giving you feedback. Wow, wow, wow. And they deliberately did this as part of the, yeah. the, the, the thing. And they did it with everyone all throughout the, the week. grooming you. Grooming you. I was horrible, <laughs> right? So can you imagine that? And yeah. then it was so up and down, man. It was so up and down. And that was horrible. And of course your emotions run high and then you know i was crying on well, tv i suppose you, you know looking at it cynically you you they're, they're creating a product there aren't they creating a product and, and of course, they want to tailor the product yeah. and want to control it and, yeah and no yeah. one really that was the first of its kind for like reality tv and no one was really crying on tv and so you know we were crying like with yeah. pressure and all this kind of stuff and I remember that was one of the negative things that came out of that when um, when the dust settled when I came out and it reminded me about being back at school again. Did, I, I don't suppose they even considered the like, emotional or psychological effect no. of doing that to you. No, they don't. And um, they, we never got paid any money uh, for the after bits, you know, that they do now. There was no support. I'm, was, I'm sure some of some of the, them people might still be in therapy around that sort of gear. <laughs> Well, we thought we, we we thought we was there. We thought we'd done it. And well, the ones that are there, I, I've reconnected with uh, three of them. That yeah, are, they're out there now. Um, one of them is one of us. Yeah, uh, in recovery. Um, he's seventeen years. Nice. Uh, another one just stopped drinking because of lifestyle choices and set up an incredible um, sort of um, a health app. Um, and another one. Um, has come out of rehab not long ago and is finding their way in, in sobriety. And I think it's really interesting. And that's brought us together. I think it's interesting. And I think, you know, you bringing this up is really powerful because, I mean, it's happening to a lot of people out there, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I don't really watch much TV, to be honest, but yeah. all this reality TV and people are just getting completely lost. and Lost in it. Um, yeah, you know, completely no, lost in it, yeah. But I, but I cannot say, I mean, I don't want to, paint too much different gloom it was fucking exciting no i'm sure it was yeah you know what i yeah. loved every minute uh, and there was some incredible stuff and i got to meet some incredible people i mean look think about it 19 years old people you grew up watching on tv and they know your name you know yeah. i went to mtv with richard blackwood all right taz, i was like what this is mental richard blackwood knows my name um atomic kitten were like all right, all right, taz, all right. so i was like fucking hell they they know your name but it wasn't your real name they know no that's true they know that a person they knew yeah. a person you'd created. To they be knew with. a person I created, but they knew of me, and that was enough. Yeah. And I mean, uh, it's interesting, though, isn't it? It that, is interesting know. when you, yeah, that, that is interesting. They don't know me, me, yeah. but um, and of course, then you get to go out, and they put you on the list for everything, and that was really fascinating, and lots of different meetings with different record labels because we formed a group, me and these other guys, and uh, we tried to get out ourselves, and ITV backed us, and they it was LWT then, and they they did a documentary on us in the probably sitting there in archives somewhere and um, set us up with Warner Brothers. We had Sting's lawyer and it was this massive big walnut table looking at the deal and it was, and it just never happened. It looks you know? exciting, all of that. And I, and, and yeah, I must've been as a young man, it must've been brilliant, but you know, I mean, I can, you know, I was, I was looking at other things, looking for that same sense of feeding my ego and, and being yeah. okay, you yeah. know, in all of that stuff. And yeah, and yeah, I mean, I will go back to this point because you know you you kind of said it really, and about your name, about as you've come on in life, and and you've had to go back and reclaim yeah. your name and the person that you never allowed to be, you never allowed to develop, and uh, and I think I'm not, 
you know, not criticizing any of that stuff because we go through life, but just for, for, you know, people, how people live today, and especially I, I always kind of come back to this kind of social media and stuff like that. Anyone can present anything they want, can't they? But, Absolutely. you know, this, this podcast is, and, and you, the reason I've got you here is because I know you're a, a real authentic, genuine person. And, and it's about kind of, you know, what's really going on for people what's really going on underneath and 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 that's you know that was great i'm not taking anything away from that no, and, for sure. and i've you know I've, I've i've put in that book i've stood in hotel rooms with with lebanese militia in in who was fighting the lebanese war you know with old was full of drugs and old was full of money <laughs> as a 22 year old kid <laughs> and just uh thinking that you know there's the glamour i'm fitting i'm okay i created the person yeah, to yeah. be in there yeah. you know i'm a sensitive vulnerable person yeah, but yeah. the kid standing in that room was fucking rock hard man he was you know mm-hmm. he was nothing was gonna stop that kid and the point i'm i'm making here hopefully anyway is that you know we develop who we think we need to be to get through life and and we can get all of these wonderful things and uh and I know quite, you know, some of those, some of those people, some of those people who, who have got, have made a lot of celebrity and done really well, you know, they're, they're not here anymore because yeah. they've taken their lives because, yeah. you know, just, just no, you're the, the falseness right. of it all. And yeah, I think being, I think also uh, being who, sorry, mate, I didn't, I didn't want to like bring that down, but I just want to get why to like, you know, up, why is that bringing that down? I think no, that's... no, I just want to get to like, you know, this no, is, I love it. I, I this love is the real saying. stuff about who we are as yeah. people and, and yeah, who your we... experience is your experience. That was valid. That was how yeah, you felt at sure. that time. And it, it, we're reflecting on our lives of what, what we've experienced and what we may have interpreted at that time is different to how I interpret it now, how I may have interpreted it a couple of years ago. So I just think that, and no doubt, if we spoke about this very thing again in five years' time, we'll have a def- another different view. The more we become open and teachable to learn. Hope, hopefully we'll continue to grow, and that's, and, and that's the point. But it's, uh, it's what, what, I wanted, what I'm trying to do on this podcast, and I know what you're doing out there in your work and in, in, in your life, is, is using your, your kind of, not only your, your learned experience, but your lived experience as well, mm, mm. And, and, and putting it out to people and going, look, you know, that route, you don't have to take that route, you know. No, it's, you it's, you know it's much better knowing who you are. Mm. It's much better, you know, reclaiming who you are. Definitely. Or not even being someone that you don't need to be, you know, because you're mm. enough. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's also because the name was a foreign name and it was almost like being foreign was dirty. You know, it wasn't, you know, that was really sad. I had it as growing up as a kid. I, I'm Jewish. I never wanted to be Jewish. Mm. I put a fucking swastika on my, tattooed a swastika right. on my arm. Right. Because I didn't want to be Jewish. Right. You know, I didn't want to be associated with that. I didn't know you was Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. I know that. Oh, now I know. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. uh, but it was like, you know, that same sort of thing, yeah. what you're talking about. Just yeah, yeah. that, that not wanting to be who I was or not wanting to be connected to the, my heritage or the heritage of, of, of I was. That's and, right. And, and yeah, so I, I understand that and I know that, but... Do you know who changed that for me? Go on. Do you know the actor Tamar Hassan? Mm-hmm. Turkish Cypriot uh, actor. Yeah, he's a good actor. I like him. Well, he has the same name as me by one letter. So his is an M, mine's an N. When I see that, it was like I was seeing my own name up there. And that association was so powerful. Yeah. And I, that was the day I started to use my name. Or felt like it was all right. It wasn't just that moment. There was other people who were coming out with different names and 
foreign names and you know and it, it well we become more multicultural all of a sudden you know things have evolved and changed and people you know kawasaki and you know odd names weren't just foreign it was just the, it was just the they're not the usual john and dave coming out there was other names and and then the more that came out the more i thought actually do you know what i need to be connecting with this stuff and of course i learned about the story of how my name come about from my dad and then that really made me feel guilty you know he his brother died he was disabled and died very young um and he said when he has his first son he's going to call him tanner like me and I, and and i was his first son and that's what i was called and i thought how fucking dare i like that you know what i mean i need to be proud of this name i'm proud I'm proud to be Cypriot. I'm proud to be Irish. I'm proud to be an English boy um, who is of Irish and Turkish Cypriot descent, of Cypriot descent. And yeah, I just sort of started to come more um, into my own. The more I was growing, the more I was stopping using and drinking, and the more I was learning, the more I was becoming teachable, the more I was understanding where I fitted in this world and what I might have to offer. And actually, I had all this energy and I have got stuff to offer. I've got shit to do and I want to go and do it. So it was like, well, what are you going to do? And and it was people like you were saying, look, just keep coming back, stay clean one day at a time, don't pick up, and the rest will click into place. Keep sharing, being honest, you know, get grounded, keep mm. going to meetings. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far with Tanner. We're going to take a little break now, so that gives you an opportunity to take a little pause and maybe go and make a cup of tea, meditate, or do whatever you need to do. And I look forward to you joining us in part two. So I'll see you there. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Copy Guide to Enlightenment with me, Stephen Rosen. Thanks for your time. And please don't forget to share this episode with friends. Uh, press the follow button and you can connect with me at Copy Profit on social media. It's been great to have your company. Take care and I look forward to you joining us for the next enlightening conversation. Cheers.